pushed salty chips through salsa, ordered flautas, his elbows on a plastic tablecloth. He did the same thing two or three times, reading a paperback through the meal. The busboy said, Hey, bro, that's a new book, no? He decided it was time to go. He left five Oxford shirts at a Chinese laundry, a blazer and his other pair of jeans, in a closet. Most times he walked into a train station, looked at the board, and bought a ticket. Summer up north, winter down south. This time he decided to rent a car. He wanted to see the Grand Canyon again and gaze at the Pignon Pines. He'd climb over a guardrail and, treading carefully, cradle in a hidden crevice, allowing himself to fall out of time. At night he would reach out and hold the stars in the palm of his hand. Then he'd double back and sleep the daylight away in Flagstaff, where he'd buy new shirts and a blazer, a couple pairs of jeans. He'd been in Flagstaff before, driving toward New Mexico, once again fleeing California, this time for an entirely different and once unimaginable reason. Dad, go, Pup said, holding back tears. Just go. That was three years ago, more or less. Back then, he didn't know how to disappear. He didn't know how to live only in a moment or beat back his loneliness. He'd walked Arizona for hours, the heat relentless, until the sun was gone. He arrived at Sunset Crater after midnight and knelt to run his hand across the basalt on the lava flow trail. A park ranger nudged him awake. He'd fallen asleep at the base of the volcano. Now he left Flagstaff and drove south as if he were returning to Phoenix. But then he turned off the highway, climbed high, and pulled into an old copper mining camp that came back as a hub for artists and antique dealers. It had a dusty two-story flat-iron building, and when he turned a corner through the twilight he could see forever, adobe and sky blue. Down the end of the block was a bar with a few motorcycles out front. He needed a shower and a shave, but he figured the crowd, such as it was, wouldn't mind if he had a burger and a beer. He nestled in the corner at the end of the bar by the front window, away from the taps, and soon the burly bartender took his order. A couple of guys were shooting pool under a lazy ceiling fan. From around the corner, musicians were loading equipment onto the little platform stage in back, and he could imagine the room filling up tonight, and everybody having a fine time, everybody acquainted with everybody else. He decided he'd eat quickly and go. He looked at his phone, a prepaid. He opened his book. The beer arrived in an icy mug. A while later, the burger turned up and he ordered another beer. A few more people came in. They looked at him and moved on. Hey, she said. She was tall and hearty, and her honey-brown hair framed her face. She was maybe just short of thirty, and all that time in the sun hadn't done her skin a bit of harm. She wore a white long-sleeved tee rolled to the elbows, snug jeans, and soft, musty boots. He wiped his mouth with a paper napkin. Hey, good book. He slid it across the bar toward her, and of course she sat, one leg up, the other long and inviting. Might be too much for me, she said after flipping a few pages. He sipped his beer. The bartender brought a long neck to her. Ginger, she said. J.J., he told her.
It was the name he used in Phoenix. Where are you from, J.J.? No, let me guess. The driver's license in his wallet said he lived in Toronto, Indiana. He'd never been there. She turned on the bar stool and closed one Sienna eye. California, she said finally. Big state. Northern California. How come? The hair, she said, gesturing. The way it just sort of falls. And you don't burn, do you? The wind takes care of you. He shrugged. She had a cocky little smile. Don't ask me where I'm from. He denied himself just about everything he once loved, but it turned out there was something about a certain kind of woman he could not resist. He was thinking she might be one of them. Settle in, he suggested. I already have.